All right, you all, I'm going to open in prayer from Psalm 24 and Psalm 57. I was reading Psalm 24 today, and uh, I know you're all familiar with it. From verse 7 through 10, it says, Lift up your heads, O ye gates, and be lifted up, you everlasting doors, and the King of glory shall come in. Who is this King of glory? The Lord strong and mighty, the Lord mighty in battle. Lift up your heads, O ye gates, and lift them up, you everlasting doors, and the King of glory shall come in. Who is this King of glory? The Lord of hosts. He is the King of glory. And the Lord of hosts is the Hebrew name Adonai Tzavaot. Adonai Tzavaot. And it means the captain of all the angelic armies, the captain of the armies of Israel, the captain of all the hosts of the nations and everything that's in heaven and earth. Isn't that neat? Wow. And we need the King of glory to come on in, the Lord of hosts. He is the King of glory. And then from Psalm 57, says in verse 10 and 11, Your mercy reaches unto the heavens and your truth unto the clouds. Be exalted, O God, above the heavens. Let your glory be over all the earth. So let's pray together. Father, we come before you acknowledging that you are the captain of all the armies of heaven, all the angelic armies. You're the captain of the armies of Israel. You're the captain over all the nations that you rule over heaven and earth. And we exalt you, O God, above the heavens and above the earth. Lord, in our hearts, you are above every other thing. You are Adonai Tzavaot, the Lord of hosts. And so today, Lord, we lift up our heads. We ask that you would open the gates of our hearts to receive your engrafted word that will change our lives. We ask that you would open up our minds to hear, understand, and perceive what you're saying today individually to us and also to us collectively. Lord, we ask that anything that has... Um, Anything that is depressed or despairing in our hearts or emotions, Lord, we speak to them today and we say, why are you cast down, O oh my soul? Be lifted up. Get your eyes back on the Lord. And we do that today, Lord, as a group. We are getting our eyes on you, focusing on you, praising you, glorifying you as the king over all the earth. We bless your name. We worship you. And we acknowledge you as king over the nations. Lord over all nations. So we speak the name of Jesus and the victory of that name, the power of that name over America, the victory and the power of that name over Southern Africa. Yes. Lord, be lifted up over Israel today. We pray for the peace of Jerusalem today. We pray for those persecuted for your name's sake today, that you would invade the spaces where they are. There are prisons, their places of torture, and you would manifest your presence there and minister life and healing and strength and hope to them. Yes. Lord, all of our hope is in you. We reset it onto you today. We thank you. We bless you. We pray all this in Jesus' name. Would you speak to us through your word and through your servant, Reuben? Amen. 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 Well, thank you, Janet. Praise the Lord. Well, it's my joy again to welcome each of you to this primetime Zoom as we're 
studying the significant and prophetic significant book of Jonah. Uh, last week, we looked at the first six verses of the first chapter, and we can already see both the strategic and timeliness of this book, especially for us today. Uh, but before we turn to the book of Jonah, I'd like to ask you to turn to the Gospel of Luke. And I, I'd encourage you all to get a Bible, get your Bible, get a pad of paper, and get a pen. Those are wonderful things to have because good disciples are ready to jot down things that stand out in a message. Amen. Why? Why do good disciples have a pen and a pad of paper in their Bible? Because our memories are fading. That's why. No, we can only remember a portion of what we hear, but what we hear and write down, we can remember 50%. We only remember about 18 to 20% of that which we only hear. So let's be good disciples and be able to take notes of anything that the Spirit might be speaking to us personally this morning. All right, Luke chapter 11. I want to read uh, three verses. I want to read verse 29 and 30. And then verse 32. While the crowds were thickly gathered together, Jesus began to say, this is an evil generation. It seeks a sign and no sign will be given to it except the sign of Jonah, the prophet. For as Jonah became a sign to the Ninevites, so also the Son of Man will be to this generation. The men of Nineveh will rise up in the judgment with this generation and condemn it, for they repented at the preaching of Jonah. And indeed, a greater than Jonah is here. So I want to pray again as we look into this wonderful strategic book of Jonah. Uh, Father, we, we can't pray too much in these days. We see lawlessness uh, looking to battle, uh, the whole sense of law and order. Um, what can the righteous do when the foundations are being destroyed? Well, we can pray. We can press in to know the Lord. And that's what we want to do this morning. Lord, we pray that you would reveal wonderful pearls of insight and revelation and practical application in regards to the written word of God. We pray that it would really come, become ignited off pages that are written into our hearts that are living. And so that I pray, Lord, that the word would become flesh today it would become more practical and tangible and understandable. And we could apply it right to where we are at this very moment. And Lord, the truth is we're probably a lot worse off than Nineveh was back when you had Jonah sent to them. But Lord, if you had mercy on Nineveh, you can have mercy on America. You can have mercy on every country. Yes, Lord. And we pray that you would be the merciful God that we know you to be and extend forth your hand to heal. 
concerning the nations of the earth to the glory and to the majesty of the name of Jesus. Now come and be with us by your spirit and open up this wonderful book of Jonah to our hearts. For Jesus' sake. Amen. Amen. Well, our generation today is probably a whole lot more evil than those Jewish intellectuals to whom Jesus was addressing this statement yes. concerning a sign. Why? Why are we more, perhaps, more evil than the generation that Jesus was addressing? Well, I think that because those that Jesus were addressing, they were asking for a sign from him to prove that he was from God. And in our present generation today, people could care less about any sign concerning Jesus. In fact, there are signs in the sun and the moon and the stars. We've had blood moons. We've had full eclipses. It means nothing to people. They're not looking for any sign. So I want to I repeat one thing that I shared from last week. And that is that Jonah refused to obey the, uh, God's call to go on a mission trip to Nineveh. And instead, what happened? He got on a boat that was headed toward Tarshish, which was in the opposite direction of Nineveh. Now, Nineveh was only about 500 miles from the Galilee, which is where Jonah lived. But Tarshish was over 2,000 miles away in the opposite direction. So Jonah wasn't just running away from God's call. He was running far away. In Tarshish, most renowned for its deposits of silver and gold in all the, in the earth there in that region of Tarshish, it was called, it had the nickname of the region of the stone. And we saw last week that disobedience changes our hearts from being soft toward God to actually becoming a region of a hard heart or a stony heart. Okay, now let's go back to Jonah. Jonah chapter 1. Jonah 1, verses 8 through 10. And Janet, could you unmute yourself and read that for us? Jonah chapter 1, verses 8 through 10. Okay, starting in verse 8. Then they said to him, to Jonah, Please tell us, for whose cause is this trouble upon us? What is your occupation, and where do you come from? What is your country and of what people are you? And he said to them, I am a Hebrew and I fear the Lord, the God of heaven, who made the sea and the dry land. Then the men were exceedingly afraid and said to him, why have you done this? For the men knew that he fled from the presence of the Lord because he had told them. Thank you, Janet. You cannot pursue God's love and run from his call at the same time. Impossible. And Jonah soon realized that no matter where he went, he could not get away from God. God is omnipresent. So what happened is that God stepped in 
and haltered Jonah's wayward course. But God doesn't always intervene like this. Jonah was very fortunate. Yes, he was. There's a whole lot of people that end up going over a cliff. Well, look at this situation. The men find out who Jonah worships and who he is running from. And these guys become terrified. And then they turn to the cause of the problem, Jonah. And they ask him, what should they do so that the sea could come back to a place of calm once again? <laughs> and Jonah suggested, well, throw me overboard. Now, I want you to imagine what may have rushed through his mind right then. <gasps> what did I just say? Oh, no! Because Jonah had just proclaimed his death sentence. And I think it's quite possible that Jonah had an instant God moment. A godly sorrow that led him to desperate repentance. Personally, I can imagine that happening between the time that the men grabbed him and before Jonah hit the water. You see, it doesn't take a long time to repent. It just is a desperate heart after God to turn. And I want each of us to kind of put our place in Jonah's sandals that day. Man, have you ever regretted something that came out of your mouth before you had time to really think about it? I think that was a moment that happened with Jonah. He spoke the truth. He spoke probably an in inspiration. Throw me overboard. But he couldn't take the word back. Now, Jonah was a prophet. He was a mouthpiece for God. He did have a relationship with God, but he was now at this time through his own confession being publicly exposed as disobedient. Here he's confessing to the men, which is good. I'm fleeing the presence of the Lord. And immediately Jonah needed to get right with God and he needed to do it quickly. And I, I can foresee Jonah coming to a place of repentance in about three seconds. I can imagine this man of God crying out to God for forgiveness as they end up heaving him from the boat. Now imagine this. Here the guys have grabbed him. One, two, I hear Jonah. Oh, God, forgive me. Wow. It doesn't take much to repent, except a desperate heart that's after God. I want to pause here for a moment. What has God told you to do that you have not yet done? You see, if you want more of God's love and God's power, you've got to be willing to carry out the responsibilities and the tasks that God has given you. You cannot say that you truly believe and know God if you do not do what he says. 
want you to listen to these very strong words of 1 John 2, 3 through 6. Write that down as a reference for today's message. 1 John 2, 3 through 6. The beloved apostle John, the one who leaned upon the breast of Jesus, he writes, Now by this we know that we know him, if we keep his commandments. He who says, I know him, and does not keep his commandments is a liar, and the truth is not in him. But whoever keeps his word, truly the love of God is being made perfect in him or her. So by this, we know that we are in him. He or she who says that they abide in him ought themselves also to walk just as he walked. I want us to take a minute now to listen to God, the Holy Spirit. It's the Holy Spirit that searches the hearts and the minds of men and women. Let me just ask some rhetorical questions. Has the Lord told you maybe to share the Lord with a neighbor or to witness to a particular person and you have yet to do it? What is obedience for me? Has he spoken to you about maybe initiating devotions with your grandchildren. Most of us on the call right now are grandparents, save one or two. But grandchildren are a major part of grandparents' lives. Has the Lord prompted you to share the Lord with them or to even have consistent prayer times with them? What about writing that letter that you've been putting off? Holy Spirit, search our hearts. Maybe he has prompted you to support a kingdom work that can really use help in this COVID season. Or maybe it's something from the past that you've never really made right. Let's quiet our hearts for a few moments and really let the Holy Spirit speak to us personally. Holy Father, we want to surrender every area of willful disobedience to you right now. Lord, none of us want to be in the same place that Jonah was in. It was much shorter to go to the destined city that God had for him than it was to go in the opposite direction 
and his heart was really set to going to the region of the stone, but you were merciful to him. You halted him in his tracks, but it almost was at the peril of not only himself, but disobedience not only affects us, it affects many people. So Lord, we want to give you a heart of obedience today. Whatever is obedience for us, we say yes and amen. Yes and amen. And we're so thankful, Holy Father, that your Holy Spirit shows us the error of our ways so that we can return to him with all our hearts, all our souls, and all our might and strength. So do that today in us, for Jesus' sake. Amen. Aren't you thankful that God can still speak to us today? Praise the Lord that Jesus made a way to the Father and Jesus sent his Holy Spirit who will guide us into all things, who will remind us of the things that Jesus has spoken to us. I believe that the Holy Spirit is on a mission today to remind us of what Jesus has spoken to us by his word, by his spirit, through the rhema stirring of the spirit, he's spoken to our hearts. And we have yet to fulfill He's faithful. He's so faithful. All right, let's go to verse 12. Verse 12. And I want to ask uh, Janet, could you read that verse 12 since you already have it open there? If you could read verse 12 for us, that'd be great. Thank you. And he said to them, pick me up and throw me into the sea. Then the sea will become calm for you. For I know that this great tempest is because of me. I'll tell you, that was painful obedience. Well, you just throw me into the sea and, and it would be okay. What's so beautiful about this prophet is that he knew that he had disobeyed the Lord. And Jonah had the perception and knowledge and revelation at this point that the storm was his fault. But he didn't say anything until the crew cast lots and he lost the toss, another sovereign act of God. Who knows how many men were on the ship, but it landed on Jonah. What an interesting coincidence. No, this was a God movement. It pointed right to the prophet. But you know what's fascinating about this? Jonah was willing to give his life to save the sailors, but he refused to do the same for a whole city of Nineveh. Jonah's hatred for the Assyrians had warped his perspective. He hated them so much, he wanted God to destroy them, as we see in chapter 4, verse 1. Well, what about us in regards to this element of hatred that motivated Jonah to go in the opposite direction. And yes, he probably did fear for his life. He feared for the possible torture that the Assyrians were known for. There were probably a host of things, but deep in his heart, nationalistically, the Jews couldn't stand. They, 
They knew the Assyrians were among the most ruthless enemies that they had ever had, ever in their history. They hated the Assyrians, wanted judgment to come upon them. So ask yourself, is there a person or a people group that we hate? Hatred in the human heart devastates perspective and vision. And the attitude in your heart will determine your perspective and perception of God. And friends, you and I cannot afford, we cannot afford to hate any person or an organization or a political party or a nation. Psalm 97.10 gives us the direction in regards to hate. You who love the Lord, King David writes, hate evil. He preserves the soul of his saints and he delivers them out of the hand of the wicked. God does not hate people. He hates the evil that's within people that comes out through their actions and words. Proverbs 23.7 says as a man or a woman thinks in his heart, so is he. When our hearts are pure, not only do we see God clearly, we also see the way he sees. Blessed are the pure in heart, they shall see God. God wants to purify our hearts, especially from hatred, which is more contagious than the virus in these days. People are hating, hating one another. That is not a part of what the believer's life should be moving toward. We should only hate the evil that we see, not the people who are committing it. And honestly, the quest of our lives should be to have a clean and a pure heart before God. How we perceive the Lord and how we see and interact with others and everything that we are has its roots in that place of purity or impurity of heart. So above all other endeavors of life, we should keep our hearts pure. The wisdom of Solomon wrote in Proverbs 4.23, guard your heart with all diligence. For out of it proceed every issue of your life. Let's look back to Jonah. I want us to read the rest of Jonah chapter one, and then I'm going to pray. So we're having relatively a a short gathering today. Maybe we can have a time of sharing afterward, but I just want to read the scripture from Jonah 1, verse 13 to the end. Nevertheless, the men rode hard. This now take, take for granted. Jonah had already told them, this is the deal. 
You throw me overboard and the sea's going to get calm. The guys didn't want to be responsible for murder. So what did they do? They rode hard to return to land. They, were, they put their backs to those oars. But they could not do it. For the sea continued to grow more tempestuous against them. God didn't let it happen. Therefore, they cried out to the Lord. They probably stopped rowing. They cried out to the Lord, Oh, Lord, we pray, please do not let us perish for this man's life. And do not charge us with innocent blood. For you, O oh Lord, have done as it pleased you. They were able to see the sovereignty of God in this whole situation, even with the power of Jonah's personal confession. So what did they do? They picked up Jonah and threw him into the sea. And the sea ceased from its raging. Wow. Then the men feared the Lord exceedingly. I'll tell you, pagans became believers right then. They heard about the God of Israel, the God of the Jewish people, the maker of heaven and earth, and they saw a demonstration of his power that was unmatched in all of their lives. No wonder they feared the Lord exceedingly. And then they offered a sacrifice to the Lord, and they even made vows unto the Lord. Wow. What a revival that took place on that boat. In the last verse, now the Lord had prepared a great fish to swallow Jonah. And Jonah was in the belly of the fish three days and three nights. And that's where we'll pick back up next week. Let me close in prayer. Father, we live among a wicked and adulterous generation. And Lord, you've been giving signs and they really haven't meant much. They haven't meant much to the peoples of the earth or even to those that are called by your name. There will be signs. But Lord, you made it so clear, you said, but here's going to be the real sign. Jonah. And Lord, I, I, I'm amazed that this is the one book, four chapters that are read on every Yom Kippur. As a reminder to your first covenant people, this is a sign for you. It's not just an intellectual study. It's not just a biblical passage. It's not just a myth. This is a person that really lived. It's a story that's relevant for today. And Lord, I pray that you would deal with our hearts in regards to this whole issue of hatred and this whole issue of disobedience. Lord, those were, I, I really felt today in the simplicity and shortness of this message was to highlight those two things disobedience to what you've called us to do 
that that could be settled this morning in our hearts. And any element of hatred that we may have toward a person, a people group, a church, a pastor, elders, authorities, political parties, government leaders, world leaders. God, you who love the Lord hate evil, not the people. Because, Lord, our prayers are hindered when we're directed at the person rather than at the evil that's motivating them. So, Lord, I just pray that you would find in us obedience. You would find in us obedience, Lord. That we really would abide in our God because we're doing what you want us to do. Lord, we know you. And it's proved and demonstrated when we keep your commandments. Lord, we determine again today, we want to keep your word. We want to hide your word in our hearts that we might not sin against you. And we want the love of God, the love of the Father, the love of Jesus, the love of the Holy Spirit to be perfected in us. And Lord, we just ask you for help. Because as we abide in you, you lift up a standard for us to walk in. You lift up the Jesus standard. And Lord, we, we confess that we are longing to have each step in sync with the steps of Jesus for our lives. so that we could walk even as you walked here on the earth. Lord, it's a high and holy standard and it's impossible to fulfill in our own strength. This is why we need the helper, Holy Spirit. So Holy Spirit, come. Fill our hearts, fill our lives, ignite our spirits to a place of obedience and to a place of love the two opposites of disobedience and hatred. So I pray that great grace would come upon us today, that it could lead us and open doors for us throughout the rest of this day and the rest of the weekend. And Lord, even I might ask for the rest of our lives to the glory of God expressed in the person of Jesus, our Lord, our King, are everything. Amen. Amen. Janet, I'll let you take it from here. Does anyone have a comment you'd like to make? Something the Lord quickened to your heart you want to share? Something that would encourage or bless or convict the rest of us? If you want to speak, then unmute yourself to do so, please. I'll jump in first. Okay, great. Um, as Reuben was sharing about critical, critical message on hatred and how it warps our vision, 
it can distort and warp our vision of who God is and the value of people in God's eyes. Um, I thought very specifically about the story of Peter who received a vision from the Lord in Joppa, which was the point of departure for Jonah in disobedience and hatred toward the Ninevites. And that vision that Peter received on the housetop praying went into a trance and, you know, the sheet comes down from heaven with unclean animals on it. And the Lord says, rise up, go, kill and eat. And Peter says, I've never let anything unclean. I've never eaten anything unclean. The Lord does this three times. The interesting thing for me to underline how critical what Reuben is saying and what the Lord is saying through Jonah for me and for, I really believe for nations right now and people groups is Peter was an apostle to the Jews. Paul, who hadn't yet fully come on the scene, was to be released as an apostle to the Gentiles. Peter needed the revelation to embrace Paul and where Paul was going to go so that they could be in unity and in fellowship. And then, of course, the men from uh, Cornelius's house in Caesarea come to Joppa and say, God sent us here, and he goes back and he preaches to the Gentiles, and the Holy Spirit is poured out. And Peter said, they have received the Holy Spirit just as we did in Jerusalem. I just think that that, that connection for me is kind of like the New Testament uh, alternative to moving in disobedience versus obedience. Peter moved in obedience. Jonah did not. And, you know, the tale of two cities, so to speak. Anyway, that, that, that picture and the vision tied in with hatred. God's love somehow opened Peter in that moment to embrace what God was going to do among people that maybe weren't on his favorite list. So... That's what I had to share. Thanks, Jeff. It's interesting that both Peter and Jonah left from Joppa. That's where, that's where Jonah left from as well. Anyone else? I have a quick question. Yeah. On um, when um, Reuben, when you said attitudes of the heart affects your vision, and what was the other thing? Perception. Perception. Okay. Yeah, I don't. I don't think he he read a quote that he had from. Herb Cohen, Herb says, he's actually an, an unbelieving Jewish author, 
but he says, we don't see things as they are. We see things as we are. It's so important that we have a pure heart because that affects the way we perceive God and, and anybody and anything. The purity of our own heart affects our perspective. I think that's one of the things the Lord is after in this season of shaking is to purify our hearts. You know, I, I keep thinking what more shaking do we have to go through for him to get our full attention? I think initially he had our attention. I think now we've kind of adjusted to the new normal of COVID and, and what that means for all of us. But I think we need to get back into a place where we're saying, Lord, what more do you want to shake free of my life so that I can grasp the unshakable kingdom of God? The word obedience, is it on? Yeah. The word obedience to do what God calls us to do, even in this time of shaking, or yet even more so maybe. And I, I am so thankful for the opportunity. It is so important, beloved brethren. The voice can be so small, but I was invited to, uh, to speak at a small congregation, Kenyans, that are here in Elkhart, Indiana, just half an hour from us. And within that meeting, a beautiful presence of the Lord, uh, two people got up. Both were just delivered from uh, drugs, serious drugs. And the lady uh, right away said, because she knew there was a need to help with the children in that tiny little congregation. I think there's only four or five children. And she volunteered right away and said, I want to teach the children because there was a uh, asking that. Why I'm sharing this is just, it's so important. Whatever little thing we can do when the Lord speaks, do it. And he blesses us. Amen. Yeah, it's good. Thanks, Tonica. You know, and Reuben mentioned that um, if the Lord has called you to initiate devotions or prayer times with yes. your grandchildren or with your children, you know, don't, don't think, well, they're, they're of age now. Or, and so I can't really speak to my kids or their, their children should learn from them, not from me. Grandparents have such a strong role in the lives of children and you can very much influence them. You, yes. Every time you're with them, you can say, let's pray together for this or that. You know, let's, there, this scripture has been in my mind today. Quote the scripture and say, can we pray together? You know, it doesn't have to be real heavy and real long, but initiate that and because they they need your influence of getting the word and prayer into their lives their own parents may or may not do that but grandparents have such a significant place so if the lord's speaking to you about that be sure you you obey amen one of the, the burdens of the, the ministry staff at Highland right now, because children have not been coming to our, you know, 
Sunday school, Kids Connection, all that. And and so our children's pastor, Joni Swingler, has been talking about how she feels the Lord wants her to disciple the parents in discipling their own children. So that if they never if we never can meet back normally, then they have taken the responsibility to disciple their own children. And yesterday, Mark Weibel sent out an email to all of us on the pastoral team to say, what's it going to look like if we become intentional about disciple making? And in every department, we're raising up disciple makers and we are actively discipling. And so, you know, that I loved reading that email. I have felt that's, of course, on the Lord's heart. Jesus said, go and make disciples of all the nations. He never changed his mind about that. That's his final strong words to us all. So I, I want to appeal to you at Highland, would you be praying for the ministry staff so they'll know how to walk this out? We don't want to miss God on this. Jesus said, I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. You go and make disciples. If we will make disciples, he will build his church. So we want to be faithful with that. And, and Joni, I think, especially needs a lot of wisdom from the Lord to know exactly how to be training the parents to disciple their children.